I'm Adrian Collins, and this is Mindful Mostly. Yes! If you didn't know already, this is a lifestyle and wellness show for those of us who are mindful about our lives, like most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, you're not too crazy about it. No one wants to be that girl. You can be mindful of whatever is important to you, too. I'm not talking mindfulness. You're just sitting there with your legs crossed in a silent retreat 24-7. I mean, you can be mindful about, you know, wellness, fashion, living spaces, celebrity. (laughs) We get into it all and hopefully leave you inspired every single week. Now, what if I told you that you can stop spending money on all of those cleansers and creams and exfoliators and your skin will benefit from it. In fact, what if I told you you could just stop washing your face all together? That is what today's episode is all about. And actually, I think we need this. We need this. Just for a minute, right? Too dirty to clean my ass. If you ain't dirty, you ain't here to party. Ladies, move. Gentlemen, move. Somebody ring me alone. Okay, as much as I want to let that just. Could, should we just make this the entire podcast today? Okay. The reason I'm playing Christina Aguilera featuring Redmond Dirty with two R's is because today Dr. Sandy Scott Nikki is on the show. She's a dermatologist. She's a skin expert. She's a professor. She is a speaker and the author of Beyond Soap, where she tells us your skin will benefit more by all of us doing less. That, and we talk about this protester outside of the Goop Summit in Vancouver, which is pretty funny, I want to tell you about. And uh, natural deodorant. (laughs) Not always a good thing. Let's do it. So, yeah, seriously, I switched to natural deodorant uh, like two weeks ago. I had no idea how sweaty my armpits are. This is insane. Am I a wildebeest? Honestly, the deodorant's great. I really like it. The smells good. It's called... uh, nothing bad or something like that. And it's a great product. I think that I just have like super sweaty armpits. In fact, I feel like I'm in grade nine again. When I had compulsively sweaty armpits, it literally, there was like a year and a half of my life where I just didn't lift up my arms. And then I discovered Drysol. Do you guys know what that is? It's basically like a chemical bath for your armpits. I honestly don't think I sweat for five years after I put that stuff on. But you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it. But yeah, this is what I'm realizing, that natural deodorant shows you how sweaty you are. So yes, you can be like, of course I only use natural deodorant. And everybody's probably like, yeah, we know. (laughs) We know. (laughs) Okay. The Goop Summit happened in Vancouver. And one thing that was really interesting was that there was a guy who was selling hot dog water outside of the Goop Summit. He was even dressed in a hot dog suit. And here was his thing. He was attempting to teach people there that 
you can't, like, stop buying into all this stuff that you're seeing. He was selling his restorative hot dog water for $38. <laughs> he was trying to encourage people to think. This is actually what he said, and it's smart. I'm with him. He said, we need to think more critically about what's being sold and what kind of claims are being sold and who's selling it. So I think Goop is great. and But some people have a real problem with some of their claims. But it is good to think twice about what's being marketed to us, right? And that's kind of today what we're talking all about. Let's get into our conversation with Dr. Sandy Scott Nikki. I know you're gonna you're gonna love it. Hi, Dr. Sandy. So is less more when it comes to our skin? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I didn't start off with that wasn't the, the reason for writing the book, because some people have asked me, like, why did you write this? Because my interest, you, you mentioned, is an allergy expert. So I, I see people in my office referred from other dermatologists and family doctors and allergists that possibly might be allergic to something that they're using on their skin. We call it contact dermatitis or contact allergy. Um, and so what I've noticed over the past 10 years is this huge increase in number of people coming in. And it's part of it's because of skincare. I mean, beauty, the beauty industry has exploded over the last 10 to 20 years. And a big part of that's organic and plant-based. And I always, I love to say poison ivy is natural. I mean, just because it's natural doesn't mean it can't give you a rash. Oh, yeah. And I think the less is more approaches because there is so much information. There's so many products and people don't know what to do. So that's why trying to simplify it for 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 people Um, what do you think it was like 20 years ago like you said there's been such an influx in allergies well i i mean um we have the graph like from so the fda released some data in 2016 and the problem with this kind of data is it's when people phone in and complain about a product reaction not everybody phones in. I'd say you know, probably 80% of people don't phone in. They don't even mm-hmm. realize or clue in that it might be their shampoo affecting their eyelids. I mean, people don't realize that, oh, yeah. yeah, products aren't site-specific all the time. Or if just because it's something natural, they don't think it could give them a rash. There's a disconnect there. People think that it, because it's natural, it can't be harmful. And, you know, poison ivy, I keep going back to poison gives you the worst rash around. Yeah. So I think with the increase in that part of the segment of the market, beauty market, we've seen a vast increase. 20 years ago, I mean, allergy and reactions to products did occur, but if you talk to any dermatologist, it's increased dramatically. Yeah. Well, I think um, back to my grandmother, she had amazing skin mm-hmm. and she used to use a cold cream, cold cream yeah. at the end of the night and, and remove her makeup. Which it's actually is, much healthier. Well, yeah, and I always mm-hmm. thought like, oh, you know, at that point I'm a teenager. I'm yeah. like clear cell. I'm like all of the things at once <laughs> using all of it. And um, and now it makes so much sense because mm-hmm. she wasn't really, she wasn't washing her no. face with yeah. a cleanser. And a lot of that comes from marketing and advertising, you know, because um, it's fascinating when I wrote the book, I, again, I didn't start off it's just sort of when you have a project like that and you start researching, it, it leads you to different directions. So the premise was to write about increased risk reactions to skincare, why, what's in it, what are causing the problems. And then when I started to research, I started to learn all about sort of soap and cleansing in the skin and how outside of dermatology in other parts of medicine and non-medical stuff like immunology and microbiology, how the theory is that... Um, 
when you use soap and water, you actually damage your skin. And this is what people don't, I don't think the general public really understands. Um, you, your, your skin's like a brick wall, and it has cells and mortar that protect you. Or the mortar is kind of your natural lipids, and the cells are the part of your skin. And when you use water and soap, you actually diminish the mortar. So w with your grandmother using cold cream, that wasn't damaging the skin barrier. Mm. Right? We call it a barrier, or think of it like an armor. When you wash and clean, you actually diminish your skin's ability to protect it itself against the elements, UV exposure, germs, allergens, anything. And But the premise, if you ask people out in the public, like getting in the shower and scrubbing your whole body and washing your hair, that's healthy. And I'm trying to, part of the reason with this book, it simplifies your life too. I'm saying you don't have to do that. Yeah. You don't, you don't not only have to do that um, because um, you don't need to, but it's not, it could be unhealthy. And so um, simplifying, like shower once or twice a week, only wash your underarms and down below. Like you don't need to do all this stuff. Um, and in fact, it's probably led to diseases like allergy, eczema. You know, recently in the past two years, and really in the last six months, there's been studies to show that food allergy is probably coming through the skin. What do you mean? So we think that, uh, you know, the huge increase in peanut allergy. If you, again, with your grandmother's time, there was hardly any peanut allergy. And again, your mom, your grandmother didn't scrub her skin. So again, if your skin is a barrier to the outside world, and oh, yeah. right, so you're so they've got studies now. They did a couple uh, basic science my, mice studies that showed that you can make the mice allergic to peanut through the skin. So wow. yeah, and and you know we wash our babies too much, we clean our our kids way too much. They they, they don't they don't need to be, and. Um, we know this as dermatologists, even every doctor knows, we tell our patients, you don't need to scrub, you don't need to wash so much. But we equate it with health and fear, and that's been propagated by marketing. Mm, wow. Yeah. So what should we stop doing? What should we stop using today? Well, a lot of it's just common sense. I mean, you know, it, it, so today, like you've got a, a lovely sweater on and jeans. You're going to be in here most of the day. You're going to go home. Why do you need to go in the shower and scrub your whole body. You're not dirty, right? Um, like I would argue if you live in a hot climate where there's pollution or you put sunscreen on it, those kinds of things, right? But for the vast majority of people, washing your whole body when you're not dirty is not necessary. The second thing you can do is just do less of it. You know, rinse, water's a solvent. Mm -hmm. um, but it grosses people out and it grosses people out because they equate that with health. Right, mm. and um, I had a question once. Well, I don't want to smell bad. I'm just, I'm not. You don't have to smell. Wash your underarms. Right. right. Yeah. Take um, a bird bath. Yeah, and wash your bits. Your grandmother may have. Like, that's a <laughs> that's a common um, thing. And um, uh, don't use soap. So this is a bit of a more extensive conversation because it's complicated chemistry. But real soap is a reaction between a um, an organic fat. So either animal fat was the original, or some sort of oil like a coconut oil or palm oil and then lye and lye is very alkaline so that's the traditional soap reaction so it's called saponification so then you you end up with soap well soap is very high ph which is very damaging to your skin's barrier and we now know the microbiome needs acidic ph not high ph and um it's very uh because it lathers so much and it's quite negatively charged it actually removes that 
those your natural skin oils. So mm. again, you're damaging your skin. Mm-hmm. And, and the soap industry knew this and knows this. So over the years, they, they switched from, so they had the original salt soap bars, very damaging. Okay, let's make a, a synthetic detergent. So that was sodium, the, the sulfates, sodium oil sulfate. And then those are kind of negatively charged and irritating and damaging. Oh, so let's make another one. We make coconut-derived detergent. So there's this incarnation or um, improvement of detergents over the years because the soap industry knows that they're very damaging to mm-hmm. the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, to answer your question, bathe less, wash your bits, not too hot, not too long. Um, don't use traditional soap bars, okay? And those are going to be some of those natural bars that you buy at the organic stores and all because there's a push to go back towards that yeah. thinking it's safer it's actually the reverse unless they're really? P- well they're not pH adjusted so like a, a, a bar of dove soap would be better than some uh, patchouli soap from a natural store yes wow with respect to your skin biology science microbiome if we're talking about the earth now see this is where it gets complicated and this is where I have not trouble with patients pushing back but they're like um, I get that we want to use stuff that's going to go into the earth and be not damage the earth, right? I get that because it all goes down the drain. And, and you know. but and you've got some synthetic ingredients and things like that in some of those bars. Then get a get a like a vino bar is oatmeal derived, pH adjusted, right? If you don't want to use the Dove, or, or if you can find there are some uh, natural soap producers who pH adjust their soaps. The problem is as soon as you go high pH. You damage your skin's ability to, um, uh, the microbiome needs an acidic pH, pH of 5. That's our natural skin pH. Ivory soap is a pH of 10. Wow. Most natural bars are going to have a high pH. And the other thing that high pH does is it basically breaks down that brick wall. So, it, it, you know, in adults you might say our, some of our stuff is already set. Like unless you have eczema, unless you have psoriasis, you can pretty much do what you want. We don't know what we've done in the long term over the past hundred years. But for babies and infants and children, I would not use soap bars. Hmm. What would you use? I would use a synthetic detergent like a vino bar, right. you know, Dove bar, um, Cetaphil, CeraVe bar. They're, those are all non-soaps. They're called right. synthetic detergents. And so if for, for a woman like me, I love the days when I'm at the cottage or I've gone camping and I just haven't had anything on my face. Mm-hmm. And I, you don't feel like you even have to moisturize because mm-hmm. your face just feels balanced. Well, you don't. That's actually a whole other sort of concept in the book is that if you... People will come in, patients will often come in and say, what's the best moisturizer? I say, I'm going to flip the question around and say, what's the best cleanser? Because if you cleanse differently and wash differently, you don't need a moisturizer. We need a moisturizer and we need conditioners in our hair because the detergents strip our natural oils. So we have to replace them. And that's basically spawned a whole industry. Um, You know, soap's fascinating history because it really did save lives. But then what happened in 1950 is it got hooked into beauty. So once it was hooked into beauty through advertising, it became a tool of it will make you more beautiful. If you want. you should see some of these soap ads. They're hilarious. Wash <laughs> your face with palm olive for 15 days and you'll be beautiful. That's the actual ad. <laughs> um, or you know, if you, if you uh, smell better and, and wash with soap, you will have a better uh, romantic life. Like the ads are actually quite hilarious, but they started a whole beauty industry. Wow. Yeah. And now and there's products that take away the moisture and then we buy one to get to the moisture it. back and yeah. 
It's a vicious cycle. You know, I'm, I'm not, my little book isn't going to stop anything, but I hope that it makes people think about what they're doing. If you want to save time and money and understand the science behind the whole thing, definitely it will do that. Um, and, and in particular, we may not be able to change this generation because I think we have damaged our skin microbiome and our gut microbiome through being too clean. Mm. And it's equated to diseases, inflammatory diseases. We're quite sure of that now, in particular food allergy, which we just talked about. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but the next generation, like we can teach our kids, they don't need to scrub from head to toe. And I think part of that is left over. Um, I remember, I remember when I was young, like because there was a fear of getting an infection, right? Because we didn't have all the vaccines, we didn't have antibodies. Like you know, you've got to remember, just even in your grandmother's time. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of a leftover fear of getting sick. And um, there's a part of the book at the very beginning where I talk about the difference between being hygienic and being clean. Now, on the surface, you'd think, well, they're the same thing, right? But they're not, actually. Being hygienic is decreasing activities that can increase your risk of getting an infection. And truly, the only thing you need to do on your person, we're not talking about your environment, is wash your hands for to be hygienic. Mm. Everything else we do, our hair, our body, our, is to feel good, to feel socially acceptable. Um, and, you know, the absence of dirt, like, you know, not the, the presence or absence of dirt doesn't necessarily mean hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about infectious disease, right? So what we do on a day-to-day basis are, are, are way, way more than we need to to be hygienic. Mm. And my argument in the book partly is that doing that has caused problems allergy sensitive skin and in on, on a grander grander scale which we don't fully understand eczema asthma food allergies inflammatory bowel disease ms obesity depression the list goes on and on because our skin is our biggest barrier yeah it is our, it's a biggest organ and it's our biggest barrier to the outside world and when you wash and clean you damage it now um, what if someone has let's say acne um, and Obviously, they want to improve that situation. Would stepping back from using so many products help somebody with acne? It's a complicated. So uh, acne is very complex, and there's and medicine's not black and white, as you know. Um, it's hormonal uh, yeah, at times. Yeah, there's, there's genetics, there's environment, there's food now. We know that. Um, so I think it's important for people that are acne-prone to wash their face usually once, sorry, minimum once. You may are, I don't usually tell people they need to wash their face in the morning, but if you've got a young acne-prone teenager, it's important to, to do some washing in the morning because you want to move oil that's, you know, um, built up overnight. Right. Um, but as far as products, I mean, part of that is polypharmacy, like the, the, the more is more approach. If you've got acne, let's just keep putting stuff on. And that's a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing and it just, and then they just fail and then the, nothing works. Um, one of the biggest frustrations too with acne is people want a cure and, and we don't have a cure. We don't even know why people get it. Like we have many ideas but we don't truly know. I think one of the more fascinating and again I talk about this in the book are a couple studies that look at populations that don't follow westernized societal norms as far as diet and living and washing and, and, and water and stuff. So one of the few remaining areas of the world that have not been touched by Western society is in the Amazon. And um, so these, if you go in and examine these tribes of people, none of them have acne. Mm. Very few of them have heart disease. There's no dementia. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, and why is that? 
right? Mm-hmm. Is it it's it's multifactorial. It's food. It's how they eat. Um, how they clean, lack of this, lack of that. But they have other diseases, right? Mm -hmm. So is their life better? They get infections. They probably could die because they don't have antibiotics. I mean, so we have to come to sort of a a happy medium because I think the pendulum has swung. Now, what about um, anti-aging? Mm-hmm. And and the Beyond Soap method, like, right. do you, do you think because now it's all, you know, retinol mm-hmm. and uh, whatever else? Well, it's still it's always been retinol. I mean, if you look at the science, because as a physician, as a doctor, I always look at the science, and, yeah, and that's my fallback for everything. And so the, and I I did write a little air, a section on anti aging because uh, my editor told me I should <laughs> <laughs> because you know I, in the absence of information, people are just going to go. So I got to give people some information, yep. right? And so I'm going to give them. Where, what the science is and um, and this book is is foremost written for people that have skin issues like sensitive skin or eczema or rosacea but it is for anybody who just wants to understand ingredients but for those types of people um, that have this sort of product elimination where you stop everything you use this sort of bland set of products that don't have fragrance or things that cause a reaction and then you can reintroduce on the reintroduce section you can try whatever you like and as far as anti-aging goes, the things that have some decent science are Retin-A, Retinol, which you already said. Retin-A is a prescription, synthetically made type of Retin-A, Retinol. Retinol is, is actually um, naturally occurring vitamin A. So both of those have shown very clear with good scientific, basic scientific studies to, to decrease fine lines. There are retinol receptors in the skin that when, when they bind to the to the drug that you put on topically, because it is a type of drug, um, you increase the turnover of the skin. The other ones that have some good science are um, antioxidants, in particular stable vitamin C. With, with uh, If you add vitamin E or something called ferulic acid to, to vitamin C, it stabilizes it better. And that also has been shown to increase some collagen production and decrease um, wrinkles. But it's all soft. I talk about anti-aging not as anti. I like it that you're slowing the clock. Like we're all aging, but you can slow the clock. And the one thing we didn't talk about, the only thing you really, really need, I'm going to quiz you. What do you need for anti-aging? Sunscreen. Yes. And, you know, um, there was a great study I talk about in the book by... uh, Procter & Gamble with Oil Belay, they looked at um, almost thousands of patients. So they, it was called the, it was some long, long name, but it was both something like exceptional agers. Mm-hmm. So they, they took, let's just for, I can't remember the numbers, 2,000 people. And they had non-medical people rank them what they thought they, how old they were. And so the people... It's a dangerous game. Right. Well, the people that were exceptional agers, so somebody ranked them as 50, but they were actually 40. So then they corralled all the all the people that were exceptional agers. So somebody thought they looked a lot younger than their actual age. And then they looked at their whole entire genomics. Like that's millions of dollars to do. Whoa. So you can, you know what a genome is? It's all your DNA. Uh-huh. So is that you, like my 23andMe that I got exactly, done? Exactly. Okay. Well, it's the, but it's everything. 23andMe is looking at your whole genome and just telling you what sort of flags there might be. Yeah. Well, I guess it is looking at your whole genome. So they look at the whole genome for these exceptional agers, and they tried to find genes that were similar in these people that age better. And the bottom line to come full school is all of the genes that made people, chromosomes that made people exceptional agers, protect them against the sun. So the main thing you need to do to age well is to avoid sun and wear sunscreen. Okay. Yeah. 
and then the, the one thing I'm thinking of, like I, I could do this. I could do the no soap. But my main thing would be if I have makeup on it at the end of the day would be well, you removing can use a cleanser. It. Use a cleanser. Like a cream cleanser? Yeah, or you can use a low foaming, you know, uh, cleanser for the face. It's the washing of the body that maybe has disease implications in people that, um, especially in kids. Um, so for the face, yeah, I mean, I, I actually use now, there's something called mycelial cleansers. Yeah. Yeah, those are awesome. So a mycel is the basic working um, structure of, of a soap or detergent. It, it's mycel means, it's a chemical term, that one, one end of it is fat-loving. It's got like a ball, and the other end is water-loving. So that's how detergents work. Like, so they grab onto the dirt and oil, and then they wash out through the water. So they this technology is they've sprinkled the mycels into just a like a water solution. Yeah. And you use that to wash your face. So you don't actually need to go into the sink and use water. You just put it on a makeup pad, and you can use it to wash your face and also to take off your makeup. Now, what do you think about, last question, what do you think about the hair situation? It's a tough one, and I've even struggled with that. I interviewed a person from my book who hasn't uh, used shampoo or any form of soap or detergent in seven years. And? And he's fine. I actually talked to his wife, too. He rinses. So there's this there's this argument which we were talking about that we need all this stuff because we remove our natural oils and our hair and our skin through detergents, which is you know people like because they don't want to smell bad and they don't want greasy hair. Mm-hmm. But then the reverse is sort of if you if and he told me it took him about six months of sort of grossness. Yeah. Right. And then everything seemed to normalize. Hmm. And there are these no poo people like no shampoo people out there, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't have the guts to do that. I like to wash my hair. I wash it less frequently than I did because I use dry shampoo. I think dry shampoo is a very good option for people who want, saves time, saves yeah, money. The best. And, you know, um, it's probably healthier, although the aerosolized component, but then you can use powders. Yeah. Um, so I'm uh, hooked on the stuff. Yeah. To answer your question, hair is very idiosyncratic. Some people have curly, short, thick, with dandruff, whatever. You do need to wash it with like at least once or twice a week, whatever is good for you. But the, the it's more the reverse argument, like especially guys with short hair, why are you washing your hair every day, yeah. lathering up when you don't need to? And pe- men always look at me like, well, isn't that what I'm supposed to do, right? So who's telling you that? Marketing. Okay. Yeah. I feel like Simple. I feel like yeah, I feel like invigorated from this <laughs> conversation. You know, I had somebody tweet, uh, I loved your book. It gives me, it makes me not feel guilty about not doing anything because I've always subscribed to that, but I always feel this guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for being someone who's come on the show who has told us to use less instead of more. It is very much appreciated. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Who else just wants to go out and buy a cream cleanser now, right? Just, I feel like if, if none of us wore makeup and look, we don't have to. Skincare would be so much easier because you wouldn't have to do so much, right? At least that's how I feel. Hey, uh, if you are enjoying the show, please give us some love on Instagram. I want to see who's out there and who is listening. They, uh, the handle is at mindful mostly. And uh, yeah, hit me up in the DMs too. Slide on in there. My Instagram is Andrea Collins FM, but uh, hit up at Mindful Mostly and you can find uh, everybody there, everybody that's on the show. If you want to reach out to them individually, that's cool too. Um, now, have you guys reviewed the Mindful Mostly podcast yet? Because I've got a 
special gift for you. It is the High Vibe Five. It's a five-minute magnetism session. It's cool because I find that I always fall out of the habit of, of journaling and, like, thinking and just, like, being quiet. So it helps to have some guidance. Do you know what I mean? This is something you can just press play, and it's going to guide you through some breath work, a short meditation, visualization, manifesting, all of it in, in one capsule. So if you want to get your hands on it, just leave a review for the Mindful Mostly podcast on iTunes. Take a screenshot of it and uh, email it to me at andrea at mindfulmostly.com, and I will send the High Vibe 5 right back to you. Now, coming up on the show, before we take a little break for Christmas, we are going to have so many incredible guests, including, I'm so excited about this one, Ruby Warrington. I mean, she's kind of a big deal. And she's got this book out called Sober Curious, which might help keep those holiday hangovers at bay. She's going to be on the show and so many more. Plus, I'm thinking, I'm thinking because it's coming up to uh, the one-year anniversary of the show that um, I might do a little best of. Like some of my favorite moments of the year, some of the juiciest nuggets that we've gotten from all of the experts that that have come on uh, that have come on Mindful mostly. But until then, I, I gotta leave you with this, right? I want you know what it is. Oh. 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 